At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name, my name is... Does <laughs> my hair look okay? It's my name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Joel Gay is one of the leading voices coming out of New Mexico that is pro a reformation of the E-plus program. Joel represents, I don't believe he's the executive director, but I think he is the chapter president of New Mexico BHA, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. So we got into a very thoughtful discussion about why they believe the E-plus program needs to be reformed. The E-plus program was opened in 2018 and had a number of changes associated with that rule change. And they believe that in 2022, the rule will be opened again and there will be an opportunity to change the E-plus program to benefit more of the public trust and their access to L-tags in the state of New Mexico. All right, the question of the moment. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you could guess what kind of question I'm about to throw at you. Is the E-plus L-tag system in New Mexico a good idea or a bad idea, Joel? You know, it depends on how far into the weeds you want to get. 
Uh, hey, we're going to dive. We're, we're going to go all over the show wherever you want to go. Yeah. So, um, I think... It's a difficult question to answer straight up yes or no, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's too, it's too nuanced. And that's one of the reasons why the New Mexico chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers has been doing this education program. Mm, you've got some, started, great, got some great articles online. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's boring as hell. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we've talked about doing this for a couple of years and um, just realized that there is no way to, to, to boil E plus down into like a fairly short, uh, you know, one page kind of a write up or anything. So we broke it down into as many episodes or, you know, separate sections as it's going to take. And, um, and so far we're up to, I think about four pieces right now. And we probably have two, three, maybe even four more depending on, um, how far we, you know, want to dive into the weeds. Gotcha. Gotcha. But to go back to the question. Yeah. Let's go back to the question. Um, the idea of compensating landowners for providing beneficial habitat for elk and in particular for providing the public access to their lands to hunt elk. That's a great idea. We just think that, um, that giving away these valuable, um, you know, their authorizations to buy an elk license. So technically right. the state is not giving away a license. They That's right. end up selling a license. Yep. So giving away this public resource that we all own. Um, we think that's the bad idea. We think there's better ways to compensate landowners. And I, I think there's other models out in the world to, to follow. But isn't anybody eligible to buy that authorization? Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, that just goes back to to the King of England. You know, if 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 the you know if the point here is to make it so only the wealthy can hunt, then shit, we're on the we're on the right track. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, before we go any further, Joel, why don't you introduce yourself and explain who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Joel Gay. Um, I grew up in New Mexico. I left in my 20s for Alaska, lived up there for about 30 years, came back about 15 years ago to be closer to my family, all of whom are here. Um, I grew up fishing in New Mexico. I never hunted when I was here um, and really only started hunting about a dozen years ago when I started work at the New Mexico Wildlife Federation. And there I worked for about eight years until I retired. I was a communications guy, uh, but, you know, we kind of did everything, including a lot of research into elk tag or all sorts of big game tags in New Mexico. Hmm. And at that time, you know, the, the, the way elk tags, antelope tags, deer tags were distributed in New Mexico was a mystery. Mm -hmm. You know, it was you could you could figure out and one of the things that we did was figured out the actual draw odds for all sorts of hunts and species and areas and whatnot and for instance you know your odds of drawing an antelope tag were something like five percent and so you'd ask game and fish how you know how come it's so hard to draw a tag oh it's the drought mm -hmm. well no it's because they were giving away 75 percent of all the antelope tags to landowners mm -hmm. they've they've 
and, and we raised hell about that. And they eventually um, changed the system because the system wasn't working for the Department of Game and Fish either. You know, the system was set up so that the landowners who complained the, the loudest, the hardest, maybe the ones who were, you know, more, or, you know, better politically uh, connected, they were the ones who were getting as many antelope tags as they wanted. Or maybe not as 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 many as they wanted. It wasn't based on a formula or anything like that back then. That's exactly right. It was is one of one the guy actually who was running the program at the time for Game and Fish told us that that the way they determined these these antelope allocations was over the hood of a pickup truck. Oh, okay. But that was what ten years ago, fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and 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 essentially that's the way E plus has worked for a long time. They did a they did a major revision of E plus in 2018 mm-hmm. and actually made some really good improvements in the program. So but let me let's so let's talk about E plus for those that aren't familiar with E plus. Can you give us a five minute rundown of the primary zone, secondary zone, special special zone, and how E plus like fits in amongst that? Sure. Yeah, it, and it's complicated. Um. So, explain the, it in the crux of the matter of knowing that you guys, when I say you guys, the BHA of New Mexico is very much interested in getting more public land tags for elk. Yeah. So, the way it works now is that if you divide up New Mexico into where the elk are, you come up with essentially three different maps. And the, the vast majority of the elk are in what's called the primary zone. And that would yep. be, you know, all the big forests, the Gila, Carson, Zach, you know, the Lincoln, et cetera. And so if you are a landowner in the primary management zone, you are qualified, uh, you know, you can sign up. And, and if you provide meaningful benefit for elk. And this is one of the good changes that they made in 2018. Before that, it was basically the the local biologists would go out, talk to the landowner and and would determine kind of then and there whether that that particular Mm -hmm. ranch was benefiting elk. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, a a ranch has to meet certain criteria. So there's certain ranches out there that do not meet the criteria and do not get elk tags, right? This, you know, good example of of how the program was running before was the fact that they 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 kicked about 700 ranches out of E plus because these and and this is this is where this you know a lot of this concern that hunters have is because of the way the program used to work. Okay, you know, and so they made made substantial improvements after that. So essentially now, if you are a rancher, correct me if I'm wrong here, if you're a rancher and you're doing things that benefit elk, i.e. habitat restoration, you've got some agricultural lands on your on your property, alfalfa fields, whatnot, you've got some water, you do some riparian protections, all of that factors into now you getting allocated a certain allotment of elk tags. Yeah. So, so what they, what Game of Fish does is they have a list of, I think, six criteria and okay. it is water, cover, habitat. Is there agriculture on your property? Is there, is there cover? Um, is it close to, you know, urban areas or is it, you know, really quiet? That's mm-hmm. sort of And so you mm-hmm. get like one, I think 
one, two, or three, zero, one, or two points for each of those criteria. And if, if all your points add up to at least, I think, seven, seven or more, then you are in E+. Okay. But that is just for the primary management zone. Okay. For the secondary management zone, there are elk. And so you might even think of these as, as you know, maybe not the foothills so much, but other parts of the state uh, where elk are at some time of the year, but they're just not, you know, in the in the dense concentrations. And then the, the third area is what they call the special management areas. And these are, in some cases, huge ranches. Ted Turner's uh, mm-hmm. ranch, the Vive Dahl. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these are so, these are areas that are, there's no private, I'm sorry, no public land, or there's a couple of small parcels of public land like wildlife management areas. So okay. for instance, there's several, anyhow, so so if you're a landowner in the secondary management zone, you no longer receive E plus tags. You can sell an unlimited right. over the counter. And that's a change from 2018. Okay. Part of that, they used to give away, Game of Fish would give these landowners dozens or hundreds because a lot of these are huge ranches and so they would sell those authorizations or they would not even use them and that was one of the that was one of the frustrations that we had that hunters had was that there was uh, roughly eight thousand elk tags a year that were being allocated to these landowners that weren't being used that's eight thousand tags that the department was not selling eight thousand tags that you know I couldn't draw. And so anyhow, they, they eliminated, you know, Game of Fish stopped giving those tags in the secondary management zone. And they just made it all over the counter, which is basically what they did with Antelope. And it's over the counter for anyone. Yeah, but you got to, you know, you have to have a place to hunt. Right. And so right. I go to you as the landowner. I say, hey, can I hunt your, your land? And they say, sure. You know, I used to know your grandpa you can up for free or they may say no i don't like the car that you drive you can't and so you is go, it like uh montana wyoming you can play a trespass fee potentially in the secondary zone exact, it's exactly what we have that what you have to i mean you know that the landowner could call it anything they want sure, sure. Actually, it's a trespass fee it's a fee okay. to access the land okay which is which is you know common pretty much across oh, yeah. the west and, you would and, think right well yeah and it seems to be you know, it seems to be working out pretty well. I mean, I'm not really sure what the numbers are. We have asked for the numbers uh, since 2018, and Game and Fish is just, they won't give them to us mm-hmm. in violation of our public records law. So mm-hmm. we're trying to get the information. So in the primary zone, I assume the issue with E plus is in the primary zone. That's it. Okay. Yes. So let's dig into that. Like, So let me ask this question. Is there a... What is the the distribution right now between public land tags and private tags in the primary zone? Do we know the stats there? I, I couldn't tell you right off the bat, but um, but in New Mexico, there's about you know in the last couple of years, there's been twenty two thousand more or less tags in the public draw. Okay. 
And the last few years, there's been about 13,000 tags that go to landowners. And those are, well, there again, we're so about 40% less. Yeah, exactly. It used, okay. to be, it used to be about 50, 50. Okay. That was when they were given tags to in the secondary. Yep. Zone. Anyhow. Yep. So, yeah. So, so say that you're a rancher in the primary management zone. Mm-hmm. You apply for and get accepted into E plus. Then Game and Fish goes through each game management unit and says, "Okay, you know, just let's just for example say that there's there's a hundred thousand acres of private land, yep. and hundred thousand acres of public land. Yep. That GMU in the primary management zone." Hundred and hundred, and so what they do, Game of Fish, then says, okay, well, fifty percent of the elk tags that we have allocated are going to go to the private landowners. Okay, percent go into the draw. Okay, that's twenty eighty or sixty four, you know, thirty six. That's the split. So by your original math, though, that means there's going, there are, there is more public land across all the GMUs in the primary zone than there are than there is private land. That is that would have to be the case, yeah. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Because you said 22,000 to 13. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But in a, in, a, in, a, in a sort of hypothetical GMU, if you had a split down the middle, 50-50, yeah. private-public, the elk tags are split 50-50. And what's kind of interesting, and here, again, this is something that, that just doesn't sit right with a lot of people is that game and fish bases that allocation on the total amount of private land in the GMU, not the private land that's enrolled in E plus. So for instance, if there's a hundred thousand acres of private land and maybe all 100,000 are enrolled in E plus, maybe only 20,000 are enrolled in E plus either way, in that GMU, the, the you know the tag is split fifty fifty between public and private. Well, let me ask this: Does the ranch itself say I'm I own? Let's use that hypothetical example again: fifty thousand, hundred thousand, hundred thousand, and that hundred thousand in scenario one, let's call it it's one ranch. Yes. Okay. If that ranch is doing elk, if it qualifies for E plus, the entire acreage qualifies for E plus, correct? Yes. The ranch qualifies. Okay. Yeah. So what you're saying is, in let's say scenario two, it's made up of 10,000 10, acre ranches. Only two of those 10,000 10, acre ranches actually qualified for E+. The other eight aren't doing anything for elk. But they, they base the private land allocation of elk in that GMU off of 100,000 instead of 20,000. Exactly. So... Um, let's just say that 
that that Game and Fish had determined that there was going to be 100 elk available in that particular GMU, total bulls, cows, um, and they'll split that up between archery and rifle and muzzleloader and right. all kinds of stuff. But if you have 100 elk that are going to come out of there, 50 of those are going to go to the landowners through E+, and 50 are going to go to the draw. And so what, what, what and one of the, here again, this is a number that we're trying to get is trying to figure out, okay, well, if the, if the private land gets 50 tags and only 20% of the private land is enrolled in E plus, then, you know, we, we're just kind of having a hard time figuring out the benefit there. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that, that game and fish did in 2018 was that they kicked out roughly 700 ranches out of the program. And these were primarily, you know, probably mostly small ranches. So, you know, they might've got one or two or, you know, five tags a year. And and some of them don't even get a tag a year. Sometimes they get only every other couple of years. But all of those tags, you know, one of the things that, that hunters said at that time was, if you kick out all these ranches for failing to provide adequate help, uh, elk habitat, mm-hmm. then why don't you put those tags into the big game draw? And they didn't. They went all those extra tags went to landowners already enrolled, so they got this you know the, this benefit. I mean, you know, I've talked to landowners who all of a sudden who used to get say two cow tags and and maybe a bull tag every two or three years. All of a sudden they're getting a bull tag every year. And five mm. cow tags, mm-hmm. or whatever the numbers are, you know. I mean, so the the number, I, I think it's a, maybe I'm viewing this a little differently, but I think the hypothetical example of fifty fifty, as you started by saying, it doesn't seem to be reality, right? It almost is like a twenty two to thirteen thousand. So let me do my math: thirty five, twenty two out of thirty five. 65-35, is that how it really splits out right now, or 70-30? What you're looking at is a statewide average. Or a statewide average for the primary zone, right. Exactly, yeah. So, so yeah, so some of those areas, um, you know, I, I don't know which one. Say say the Gila, just say that there's a million acres of public land and mm. 100,000 acres of private land. Well, that it'll be a 10 to 1 right. split there. Um, so yeah, it's complicated. So in terms of what you're proposing, like, so what's the, you, you, you came out of the gate and said, look, there is no doubt. And I think it's very difficult to question this, but you said, there's no doubt that the benefit to the land, the benefit to the elk that private landowners do is unquestionable. Like without that, like there would be a detriment to the elk herd, right? Well, that, that may be a little bit of overstatement. There's a lot of landowners who do a lot for elk. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of landowners who don't do anything because they don't need to, because they have, they have water that, you know, this, these are not drilled wells. These are streams. They've got, you know, um, you know, meadows, they've got, you know, plenty of cover. They got blah, 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 fill in the blank. So there's, there's, and, and, you know, it's really interesting to go through the real estate listings of ranches in New Mexico. And, and you know, it'll, it'll say 
you know, whatever, some, some ranch, you know, off for sale for X amount of money, say 600 acres, and it comes with 17 elk tags or 32 or 25 or whatever. So, um, you know, you know, there again, I mean, you know, we have no idea. We don't really know how much benefit all this provides. And Mm. we hear, we hear a lot of time, uh, you know, all the time about landowners being the best friends that habit or that, uh, you know, wildlife have. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's probably true, but, you know, I don't think that anybody went out there and and said to, you know, the New Mexico Cattle Growers Association, uh, you know, would you please start putting in drinkers for elk? Right. You know, they put in the drinkers for their cattle or their sheep or whatever. And the elk have been there, you know, for a long, long time. And so, yeah, they help themselves. And there's money available from the Department of Game and Fish to, you know, compensate landowners for the damages they've occurred. But so if I know it, it, it is going to be difficult to sort of pin, you sort of put your finger on that thing that is like, how do you assess the benefit to the elk herd from private habitat restoration? But don't we have a, a sort of more general indicator of elk in New Mexico in terms of how how is the population in New Mexico doing from an elk perspective? Oh, it's doing great. It is doing great. You know, in in around when New Mexico became a state in 1912, there were basically zero elk here. Hmm. The, there was an original uh, species, the Merriam's elk which had been extirpated by overgrazing and market hunting. Um, and then, you know, a couple of, uh, a small group of rent, uh, landowners, ranchers, um, and, and, and guys like Aldo Leopold, you know, when he was living here back in right, 1914, right. you know, those guys were thinking, okay, we need, you know, we need to rebuild these, all these stocks, elk, antelope, turkeys, you know, you name it. So, so they brought in Rocky Mountain elk. They transplanted them and, and basically went from zero to we're probably a hundred thousand elk right now. Wow! And and you know, is it's not enough to satisfy, you know, oh. all the demand. Sure, of course. It's way too much, too much for a lot of ranchers. I mean, you know, we have we have, you know, probably every year uh, we have episodes of people. Um, you know, shooting elk that are, you know, in their yards, you know, going through their alfalfa fields or, or antelope or deer or whatever. Um, you know, it's, you know, they're, they're a nuisance to a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, we would love to find some way to make sure that landowners welcome elk onto their property. They, you know, they they appreciate elk, but the problem that that we face here in New Mexico and they're starting to face all over the West is this question of commercialization. Mm-hmm. And that's a slippery slope, you know? Mm-hmm. So what we do now is we give, you know, it's, it's, you know, whatever, say one out of, well, what, whatever, 13,000 tags out of 45,000 tags that are, you know, sold, um, so we give those authorizations to these landowners. You can yep. buy, sell, trade, give away. Right. And, you know, it used to, I mean, it, it used to be that, that 
places, well, that the, some of these big ranches that got a lot of cow tags, and that's not where the money is. No, they would sell those for you know a couple of hundred bucks, and I know a lot of people who used to, you know, spend a couple of hundred bucks and go up and buy a cow tag. I saw yeah. one on Craigslist the other day. Um, some guys, you know, you know, he had five tags. He was selling them for a hundred bucks a piece. He made it sound like his ranch is way in the hell out there. You know, he he just he made a real point of in his Craigslist ad saying this is really hard to find and blah 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 blah. Or you know, so so some people are selling their their tags cheap, and some people are giving them away. You know, we. BHA has give, been given tags um, that we then passed on to a youth hunter because, you know, we yeah. feel like that's, you know, if the state won't give them away, we will. Yeah. And there's, and there's a lot of private lands that do give away a lot of tags, right? As you just oh, indicated. Absolutely. I'm sure they yeah. do. Um, you know, we well, don't youth want... hunts and veteran hunts. and Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's great. And, you know, if, if, you know what our our big concern is the commercialization of wildlife and if if people were giving away these tags or you know just allowing the public onto their land to hunt that'd be one thing but when you've got people charging 5 8 10 12 15,000 dollars for a bull elk tag and you know some of those include guiding services and you know some of them don't mm-hmm. um, that's a lot of money and it's a very slippery slope from there. Okay. You know, they, they can, they can truthfully say we're not selling the license game and fish is selling the license. We're selling the, you know, authorization. Well, you know, sell what you own, which is your land, sell access to your land and let the department of game and fish be in the business of, you know, distributing these tags democratically which is what the north american model has been saying for you know 100 years but isn't that one and the same it sounds like the authorization and the access to the land are sort of like half of you know the way that my mom used to call it six of one half a dozen of another right in that the authorization i can either sell the authorization for six thousand dollars or i can not sell the authorization but i can sell access to my property for six thousand dollars exactly well you know, is there? I don't see the difference. Is there a difference there? There is a difference because those authorizations, you know, it's a very short distance between the authorization and the tag. Mm-hmm. Let's just you know call it for what it really is. They're selling tags, mm-hmm. and so those tags are owned by everybody in New Mexico, and you know, really by extension, everybody. You know, the entire you know these land these uh wildlife are held in trust by the public and they're managed in this case by the state of New Mexico. And we give away, um, you know, we give away thousands and thousands of tags a year through this democratic process, you know, no percent, you know, no um, point system, no, you know, no goofing around, you know, if you either win or you lose the tag. You get mm-hmm. your first, second, or third choice, or nothing. Mm-hmm. And you know it pisses me off. I mean, this is the third year in a row I have not drawn an elk tag. Mm-hmm. And um, and the year before that, I drew one of the most highly coveted tags in North America, a, a bow tag in the Valles Caldera National Preserve. Unbelievable. 
unbelievable opportunity. So if if it's okay for a landowner to sell a this public resource, why not me? You know, I I drew that vast caldera tag. But isn't there a huge difference in that that person? I hate to be simplistic about it, but he owns the land. It's his land, right? And although the wildlife doesn't belong to him, the wildlife is a state resource. Right. But if his land wasn't there, and this is, I guess this, you know, from a private land perspective, like I own my house, you own a house. Um, If the private landowners just said, screw it, we're not going to do anything for elk anymore. Is that a, I don't, that couldn't be a good thing for the New Mexico elk herd. Yeah, it, it would not be good. Let's go back to what you just said, though. You know, what's the difference between selling trespass fee for $6,000 and, excuse me, an authorization for $6,000? And that's kind of what we're saying, which is that, you know, let the Department of Game and Fish say, you know, here's, here's all the people who have, who get to, you know, hunt in, Unit 17 or 9. The only problem with that would be, I can see that happening. So essentially, let's again, hypothetically, let's put a scenario out there. All the tags go to New Mexico Game and Fish. There's not a single landowner tag any longer. However, the landowners themselves now have a a gradation of costs to access their properties because they keep them up, they provide the habitat, they keep the roads up. That costs money. And so they're going to get compensated for, you know, and also people now accessing their property. There are a bunch of dumbasses out there doing stupid stuff, leaving gates open. We all know that kind of stuff. So there's got to be some mechanism to say, look, we understand stuff's going to go wrong. <laughs> so here's some money, right? And so let's just say there's a gradation. And Joe Blow happens to pull a tag for what you just said, the 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 Vias Caldera, the Vias Condera of private land. But instead of it costing, how much did your Vias Condera tag cost? 85 bucks. 100 bucks. No, 96 bucks. Yeah, 96 bucks. This guy now has to say, is going to say, Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. So now this guy. In this new hypothetical scenario, this guy, the only way he can hunt that is to pay $6,000. So, so I guess, you know, what's the distinction between paying $6,000 for access or $6,000 for a tag? In my mind, that's it's just that's what it's it. half of half of you know six of one half a dozen of another. That's what that's what we're saying. We're saying you know, but that person clear. wouldn't pay the six thousands. What I'm saying. Well, I mean, I don't I don't see what's the difference. But you know, for for me, when I pay six thousand bucks for you know something, it doesn't matter if I pay it in you know, pesos or dollars. I mean, it's $6,000 that's coming out of my bank account. And so let's go. Do you think that the general public, and I guess maybe this is where we got back to the original point of it becoming almost like a rich man's game, right? To hunt. 
which is, do you think the general tag applicant would be able to afford it? And I and and let me I'll add one more question on there, which is, and if he can't or she cannot, how then can is the landowner compensated for the land? for the habitat that he is or she is providing to keep the elk herd in a healthy condition? Well, you know, that's, you're getting into some really complicated questions here. And, and that's why we love this podcast. Well, so, so one of them is, is, you know, wait a second, who deputized these particular landowners to manage these elk herds? They're being managed by the Department of Game and Fish. And, and in fact, you know, in a, in a they can't be well, truly managed on a, on a private piece of property by the Department of Game and Fish, can they? Well, so for instance, in they're really only getting managed by the tag system. No, no, no. It, they're they're actually on these big ranches. They determine, you know, how many animals they want to take, whether they're, you know, if they if they if they want to reduce their own elk herds. You know they'll hunt cows if they just are mm-hmm. trophy. They mm-hmm. may be able to. They may be able to sustainably harvest thirty bulls a year, and they decide. Well, we're only going to take five. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but that's a decision that's being made by the ranch, maybe in consultation with the Department of Game and Fish, but maybe not. You know, it may be that Department of Game and Fish just says, well, and this is this seems to be the case all over, is that um, that the privatization of this wildlife, the commercialization of this wildlife is leading to the privatization of the management. Now, does Game and Fish need some help? Heck yeah. You know, this is a yeah. huge state. We've got a small department there, yeah. chronically underfunded. We would love to see them, for instance, start getting some more of this federal money through Rawa and this and that. Mm -hmm. Um, And in part for more biologists, but it, you know, I think a lot of us would like to see a lot more law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, that's, there are, there are all sorts of threads in this uh, question of private management slash the commercialization of wildlife. And so you know, going back to the, the New Mexico chapter of backcountry hunters and anglers is not not saying that we need to do X, Y, or Z. What we're saying is that we need to go back and take a look at the at the E plus program and, and and try and look through the lens of the North American model and see what you know what because things have changed in the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. And the issues that we're facing in New Mexico are the same ones we're facing in Colorado and Utah and Wyoming and Montana. Mm-hmm. And all, all of us need to start thinking about how do these, how do these things fit together? How does, how does wildlife management and hunting management uh, fit into the scheme? And, you know, you can, you know, as well as anybody, the, the arguments and the concerns that are going on in, in state capitals, right? You know, these game game commission meetings, you know, where where increasingly it is, you know, well, like in Montana, the stuff that I've read, I, I certainly I'm no expert in this stuff, but you know, you read about 
you know, rich non-residents coming in and sort of, I don't know, throwing around their weight or, or mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. leaning on their friends in high places. Um, and billionaires have got a lot of friends in high places um, to get elk tags, you know, on their private land. Mm-hmm. And and so let's you know, let's go back to some of these hypotheticals in New Mexico. Let's say, sure. let's sure. just say that that you know Joe Blow has been you know he's got five hundred acres and he gets ten tags a year. And um, could he sell access to that land? You know, not a, not you know very few people own the Valles Caldera or mm-hmm. that kind mm-hmm. of quality hunting experience. Um, so could he do that? Sure. Could he get, could he get compensation? We have a program called the open gate program. We pay landowners, ranchers to provide, to allow public access. Like a wildlife walking access program or something like that. And, and, you know, I think that the the Montana block program does the same thing. And, and, you look around at, at some of the other states, uh, Colorado and Utah, for instance, um, they'll say, okay, we'll give you, you know, 20 tags, but you have to take, you know, 10 of those have to come out of the draw. And mm. we'll pick, you know, we're going to pick 10 people out of the draw and, um, and assign them to your ranch. Right. Well, you know, w- one of the things, you know, and I'm sorry if this is a tangent, but one of the things that, that distresses me and a lot of other, other hunters is this bad relationship that hunters and landowners have. And it's not everybody. It's, it's, you know, just sort of in general. And mm-hmm. you always hear about, you know, the asshole that leaves the gate open or leaves a can, sure, 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 sure. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you also hear these stories. I, you know, you can still hear these in New Mexico where, you know, my grandpa used to hunt on your grandpa's ranch. And they got along just fine. Or maybe they didn't. Who knows? <laughs> but, you know, what we need to be doing more is talking. Right. And I can't think of a better way to start talking than to, than for the Department of Game and Fish to, for instance, maybe start assigning people to a ranch. I mean, that's what they, that's what they did with antelope in New Mexico. And to tell you the truth, I don't know how that worked out. I, it'd be interesting to go back and talk to some of the antelope mm-hmm. biologists, some of the ranchers and see if that helped. But, you know, elk, you know, elk, you know, uh, ranchers, I mean, uh, hunters have been driven off of public land by unethical ranchers in the past. You know, you can't hunt here because this is my land. Well, hell no, it's not. You know, now that we have GPS, we realize, no, this is, this is public land. And I've got a right to go through here to this forest. Right, right. You know, and it just, I mean, I know that, that, that landowners have got plenty of legitimate beefs about hunters and vice versa. Right, right. What about, um, let me ask this, maybe put a fine point on this conversation because I've really liked it. Um, in 2022, is there a solution? Does New Mexico BHA have a proposed, like, this is what we would like to see change in E+. No, we really don't because we don't we don't have all the answers. But we just think it is time to take a close look. What we have been saying over and over and over is that we would like our Depart- our state game commission to open up the E plus rule 
like they do every four years and try and figure out some way to more equitably dis, you know, disperse these tags. Do, and it may be this, it may be looking at, at this, that question of, of the percentage of public land versus private land. You know, do mm-hmm. they, do, do we automatically need to do a 50-50 split on public and private land or, or I mean, a, you know, an equal split? Mm-hmm. Um, or could we could we find you know could we say okay if if you get more than ten tags you know you're going to have to start put you know bringing you know a few people onto your ranch yeah for every ten tags you get you we're going to allow one block management access scenario to occur or for every ten tags we we allow ten people in there mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I I don't know what the numbers are yeah yeah um and. You know, I I know that the landowners and the and a lot of the people who have a vested interest in keeping this program going um, are really disappointed in the fact that we want to have this conversation conversation, and that hunters, you know, we feel like we have gotten the raw end of the deal. You know, when it and it's hard not to feel that way for when for years and years and years, you know, we were seeing. Um, we're seeing a ranch of one acre get a private land tag. Yeah, but that doesn't occur anymore, right? No, now it's two, three, five, seven, eight acres. You tell me that that that's you know that that provides meaningful benefit to elk. Well, I don't know. You're saying that someone in the state of New Mexico in the primary yeah. zone. Oh, if you, if you like, I'll, I'll send you the, the landowner list, and you can see the size of these these ranches that are getting tags. So maybe it's a acreage size again, like you, that they well, instated in 2018. I, I, think, I thought you said, wasn't there, I thought, oh, no, no, no. You said that 700 ranches got kicked out because of lack of productive elk habitat. Correct. It yeah. wasn't a size we, acreage we limit. Have, we don't have a minimum ranch size, whereas Colorado, shit, in, in Utah, I think the minimum ranch size is 5,000 acres. So... Um, so yeah, we, we'd like to talk about all these things and, and, you know, truthfully, you know, I'm sure that there's a, there'd be a landowner who's got three acres who could probably put up a pretty good argument of why he or she deserves a tag. And especially if they have 50 elk chowing the alfalfa field, maybe, or something like that, right? But, you know, yeah, so God only knows. We have this whole unit-wide thing, and a lot of states have unit-wide tags. So you have a private land tag, and you get but to you can it. hunt public ground exactly. But the, it doesn't work the other way around. Well, it actually it actually it does, doesn't it? Because they they have to they have to give access. Yeah, to and that. so and so like in that particular GMU, all all the ranches that have received unit-wide tags. Their hunters can hunt on public land, and technically, all of those public land hunters can then hunt on these ranches. Why do you say technically? Well, because why would you want to hunt on a ranch where there's no elk? If 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 you have a ranch, if you have a ranch that's got elk on it, that's where you would hunt. Or you know, think about if you got a ranch that's five acres, or eight acres, or twelve acres. You know, I'm not sure I'd want to have, you know. So even those smaller acreage ranches get unit-wide tags? They get to choose. 
they get to choose if if you're in E plus in the primary management zone, you are automatically given a unit wide tag. You only get ranch only if you request it. Interesting. And and it's not a huge number. I think I think most ranches and you know the the, the majority of the the ranch acreage is in ranch only. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they don't do this anymore, but you know, a couple of years well in before twenty eighteen, they would give they would give unit wide tags in say unit nine to a ranch in unit six, six A or six. That doesn't make any sense. That's what we said. So we just think that doesn't happen any longer either. I don't think it does, but I, uh, yeah, I don't think it does, but I'm not even a hundred percent sure of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When is the, um, maybe my final question, when is the E plus, uh, regulation up for reopening in the state of New Mexico? It should come up in 2022. We have, we have a schedule for all the big game rules, elk, deer, et cetera. Uh, and they come up automatically every four years. I believe that E plus is, is oh because of the rule change in 2018 yeah well makes sense. yeah it would make sense uh but i believe that it's it's kind of up to the discretion of the game commission that they could bring it up they could open it up they could open up a lot of rules whenever they want mm-hmm. uh, so anyhow we're hoping that the game commission will open it in 2022 we'll have some serious discussions about this sure and, no, and, and just no, thought-provoking thought-provoking discussions as well well, and you know, one of the interesting things here in New Mexico is that is that this these quote unquote private land programs have been around for decades. I don't know, forty. I mean, generations. And there are a lot of there are probably a lot of ranches that uh, rely on elk tag sales to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're we're hearing this thing about, oh, you're going to put these, you know, these these old ranchers out of business mm-hmm. or their ranches are just going to get turned into, you know, ranchettes and sold to Texans or whatever, you know. And, and you're like, you know, wait a second, you know, when did it become the job of the Department of Game and Fish or the, the good people in New Mexico who hold all these elk tags and trust, when did it become our job to support any industry? Yeah, but if land doesn't make money, it's just like in Africa, right? If the value of whatever you have on that land isn't going to be productive, it can't just live there, right? You can't just, the dirt can't just be the dirt. Because in today's day and age, if I can't, if I'm, I'll put myself in the, in the shoes of the landowner in New Mexico and Full discretion, I am not a landowner in the state of New Mexico. Okay. <laughs> um, but if I had elk, if I had five acres, eight acres, ten acres, kind of deal, and pretty good elk habitat, or maybe a hundred acres, whatever. And someone says, Well, you're not gonna get the elk tags any longer. So you're not gonna make your eighty grand a year or sixty grand a year. I'm gonna like. Where am I gonna get my eighty? Where am I gonna get the money to pay for my property taxes now, or to move do the improvements on the land, or that I get to hunt elk? And if I can't do all those things, and if I can't put cows on it, and I can't grow alfalfa on it, then I'm gonna sell it. I, and and there's, 
there's there's a lot of people who would buy that buy that land. What about people that would buy that land and not keep it in elk habitat? You know, I mean, you know, I convert it. Are, are like, we, are we something that is not good for elk? Gearing away from uh, from capitalism here. You know, I mean, what you know, what what exactly are you aiming for? Is that is that you want to have the government? You know, making sure that this land. Well, how about this? Let's it's a go good back. point. It's a good point. Let's go back to what you just said, which is that you know you're a landowner, and and let's you know let's say you like to eat elk. What if what if you got tags that were that were not, were transferable within your family? And I think other states do this. You know, one of the problems, one of the issues that we have is that you know a rancher gets. 10 tags and he sells them to a broker who then sells them to Cabela's who then sells them to the Dallas Safari Club. And so all the way along, you know, presumably somebody, you know, everybody's making their cut and mm -hmm. maybe, you know, and the, the rancher may just turn, you know, he may just actually sell them to, you know, people that he knows. He may give them away. He may not even use them, but, you know, don't confuse the 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 fact that we think that that we're opposed to the commercialization. We're not opposed to having you know giving a landowner a tag for elk, and maybe you know not even giving them. We may not even be opposed to giving them twenty tags for elk, but we're just thinking that that those tags ought not to be commercialized because that's a slippery slope, and and. You know, I'm sure that that you could put together a pretty good podcast of people talking about the potential for s slippery slopes in mm -hmm. that in that arena. Mm -hmm. How do you balance? Maybe this is my, and this will be my final question because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it it just it's it is an onion layer. How do you balance the desire not to commercialize wildlife against depredation needs of wildlife? Well, in New Mexico, we have we have a really challenging situation because we have a law that was passed by our legislature, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, maybe, um, that allows a landowner to take any animal that is uh, damaging or threatening to damage their property. Mm -hmm. So you can kill an elk. Uh, if it's in your cornfield or, you know, whatever, in your rose bushes. And it doesn't happen very often, but when it does happen, it is just horrible. We had a guy, a situation in northern... Oh, you can imagine the sort of the paperwork tied to something like that, right? Well, to the prove paperwork it. is the least of it. You know, the, you know, can you imagine, can you imagine being in the Department of Game and Fish and being called out to a ranch where a guy has shot and wounded or killed something like 42 antelope with a Oh, shot. man. Yeah. Perfectly legal. And the guy, a guy who opened fire on a hurt, uh, just a, a little herd of bull elk, um, a couple of miles, probably less than, a, probably less than two miles from I-25 down in South Central New Mexico. They were in his, they were in his field. He opens up with a high-powered rifle 
He shoots them. They're gut shot. They're shot mm. in the leg. They're wounded. Terrible. Even fish had to come out and, and polish a whole bunch of them off. And so that's, so anyhow, we have, we have some depredation issues here. Everybody's got depredation issues. And the Department of Game and Fish has got a depredation fund that, that you and I pay for. Every time we buy a big game license, a dollar goes into the depredation fund. And we have money available to ranchers who want to fence out. It's a fence out state. All of, all of the West is a fence out state. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, if, if I want to keep cows out of my yard, I have to fence them out. Oh, okay. okay, if, okay. If, if this rancher wants to keep elk out, you know, now all of a sudden I'm responsible for keeping the elk off of his property. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's probably a good reason for it. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. not. I don't know. But let's talk about that stuff. You should come yeah. down. When we open up the E plus rule, you should come down and listen. Listen. Absolutely. We're we, all need listen. To listen. we all need to listen. That's Absolutely. A- I think that that's a, the message here is that, absolutely. you know, I don't think hunters have all the answers and I certainly don't think that landowners have all the answers. And I'm not sure that selling tags is the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go back to the very beginning, you know, we believe that land, you know, we believe that a lot of landowners do a lot of really good for wildlife and they need to be compensated because it's a, it's a mean old world out there. And so there's, you know, there's a lot of money changing hands through elk authorizations right now. Um, you know, could we funnel that a little bit, you know, somehow or other, you know, redirect the flow of the money, um, you know, start paying people for access to their land through a program called Open Gate or the Block Program or whatever. Or maybe we just say, you know, here you can have you can have ten tags if you let ten public draw hunters on here, and um, and and you know I don't know I don't know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. I just well, don't, I, I don't think that commercialization of wildlife is the is the right road is that the right path for us to take. It's just it's just getting really crazy all over the West right now, and I think it's time for New Mexico to step back. You know, we have been held up by some as the model because we have, you know, we have turned, you know, these elk tags into a commodity. And I don't know. I mean, I I have a hard time, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. seeing how that squares. And Mm -hmm. and the answers are just as hard, believe me. I mean, as, as we have said, you know, we've discussed today. Yeah, no, it's an interesting debate. Um. There's certainly something to be said about the value placed on wildlife and that and how that value is translated into keeping wildlife on the landscape. But there's also then something to be said about wildlife being in the public trust and being accessible to all. Um, and so I think that's where the rubber meets the road. It's yeah. right there. And yeah, um, Well, I appreciate your time, Joel. I know it took us a while to get together and connect. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I appreciate your, your thoughtfulness. Happy to help out. Um, yeah, I wish I had more answers, but I don't. No worries. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right 
to convey the truth around hunting.